One, two, three, four. Screen time, screen time, screen time, screen time. Screen time. It's my screen time too. And welcome to It's My Screen Time 2, the podcast where two moms review the best and worst in children's programming. From Netflix reboots and YouTube shorts to Disney classics and Pixar blockbusters. We watch, you listen. Find out what you can tolerate watching for family movie night, what to avoid altogether, and what you'll want to watch alone voluntarily. I'm Katie. And I'm Deborah. And I have two kids. Kenny is three and Jay is six. And I have three kids. Tony is 12 and Libby and Nate are nine. They are so adorable, right? This is a generally true statement. We like to tell a quick story about how awesome or occasionally awful our kids are, because in addition to being witty and incisive pop culture consumers, we're moms too. Katie, what have your children been doing lately? That is cute. All of my good stories lately are vocabulary related, and I'm totally fine with that. Um, The other day I was sitting on the couch and I had my leg propped up on the ottoman, as you do when you're sitting on the couch. And Kenny comes over to me and says, Mom, your leg is literally a bridge. And I was like, (laughs) A, adorable that you are three and just said literally. But B, (laughs) let me explain the difference between literally and metaphorically to you. Oh, that's funny. Did he get it? Oh, no. (laughs) I'm going to give him a pass this one time. (laughs) Nice. He probably is using it the way... Is he Gen Z? Yeah, I mean, don't like the public diction... Public? Nope. The word I'm looking for is published dictionaries. Don't they even say that that is a acceptable use of literally at this point now? Yeah, it's like nonplussed can mean both nonplussed and plussed at this point yeah and like disinterested can also mean uninterested yeah Yeah. well words language it's a living and evolving thing thanks children for keeping that in our minds and hearts all right Deborah, what have your kids been up to I also have a language one because the moments when my kids mispronounce things is just like further and further space in between the time in which they make really cute mispronunciations and both Libby and Nate cannot say the word specific. They say it suspific. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And so much. And I've tried to correct them and we've gone round and round about it, but now I'm starting to say it. I really have to think about it. Yeah. It's specific but they say suspific. It's so cute. Like suspicious and specific mushed together. Yeah, yeah, right. I think that's a good one. I say if we can keep literally a bridge, we can keep suspific as well. <laughs> I really loved this article that you found that was published on Slate by Philip Masiak titled what Elmo's viral moment tells us about how parents watch kids TV. Did you, I didn't know anything about this Elmo moment because I'm not a meme follower. Yeah. uh, I did not really see it. And we're also not really avid Sesame street watchers because I forget about HBO. Like I generally forget about that as a platform for kids stuff. 
So yeah, I had not heard about the Elmo Rocco moment. Yeah, it sounds really funny. We'll post it on our Facebook. And (laughs) the author describes it as a Larry David-esque meltdown uh, where (laughs) Elmo gets furious with his friend Zoe and because Zoe's like saving a cookie for her pet rock and Elmo, (laughs) who I have to say is a puppet. (laughs) (laughs) At least a puppet with a mouth though, Deborah (laughs) Is angry because Rocco's not even going to be able to eat the cookie because he's a rock. He doesn't even have a mouth. It sounds hilarious. And I haven't even watched it. And I really, I wish that I had written this article because I feel like this just distilled what we've been doing (laughs) for the last four plus years of podcasting (laughs) well and he talks about like how you know blah 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 the experts say you're supposed to watch tv with your kids but how can you watch it without adding something as an adult to make it interesting and he talks about watching bluey and i just want to read this straight from the article i wouldn't watch these shows by myself but watching them as if they're for me is how I'm able to remain an active spectator when I watch them with my daughters. Perfect. Yes. And I love the way that he examines the kids shows and tries to fill in the blanks and figure out like, how are these parents making money? How are they getting along? Um, It's a it's how you get through these like preschool shows for sure. Mm-hmm. That's why we do the gritty re- HBO reboot. You know, the one that it made me think of, and I haven't thought of this show in so long. Do you remember miles from Tomorrowland? <laughs> <laughs> Where it was just like, yeah. how do these parents have permission to do this with their children? And yeah, there's like no overarching authority that tells them that this is a horribly ill thought out idea as to how to raise kids yeah totally I much prefer this attitude to last week's screen time in the news entry in which the hoity-toity New York Times reporter kept talking about how much his kids shows were beneath his own interest right this is how you do it right so do you want to talk a bit about that this is sort of blending into our follow-up from the last episode and how we really missed an opportunity to drag blippy whom we cannot stand (laughs) while we talked about ryan's world from that new york times magazine article and we talked a little bit about youtube and how we struggled to find good things for our kids to watch on youtube or things that we deem good Mm-hmm. And I cannot believe we forgot to mention Blippy because I feel like Blippy has been making a push onto the mainstream streaming networks as well. Like, I don't remember where I was recently, if it was Amazon or Netflix, but like everything in like the top for kids section was like Blippy this and Blippy that. And it was definitely a no, we can do better moment. And I yeah. would have rather seen Ryan's World content there. I can't help it. Yeah, Blippi is terrible. Don't watch Blippi. Yes. Um, So one show that is on our watch list, it's actually a movie. It's called Scene Red, and it was going to be a theatrical release, but we need to talk a little bit about how the landscape of streaming versus theatrical releases is changing. 
um, because now this is set to debut on Disney Plus in coming up in March. I love that this is still a push and pull, Deborah, because I feel like after we reviewed Encanto, uh, we've been talking about what they're doing with those streaming windows and how quickly a release is going from being in theaters to being on streaming. And how at this point, you and I both agree that we'd rather see them on streaming. So I love that it's a conversation that's still going on. Studios are still looking at those COVID numbers and thinking, well, maybe we should release this on streaming. And they can make those decisions almost in real time. The interesting thing is that I read several articles talking about how disappointed the people involved in the movie were to have their release pulled from the theatrical schedule. Mm. And I wondered, because I hadn't really thought about that being the norm, do people still consider it a lesser accomplishment to have a movie that comes out on streaming after all the work that they've done gosh I as just a consumer of media content remember the stigma of like quote-unquote straight to video which was like a thing that was probably 10 15 20 years ago but I feel like with the pandemic and the options that we have for streaming I don't feel that way about something that's straight to streaming and it used to be a question of marketing right like you would have Mm -hmm. this huge content of like direct to video things and there was no way to tell what were like the little underappreciated indie gems that just never got the wide distribution and what was just the dreck right but now like we have much more of a established marketing practice for streaming materials. I feel like Disney in particular does a solid job marketing its streaming only releases and maybe they take a little longer to get a foothold and I would have to look at some numbers but I feel like Luca for example is still a solidly appreciated Disney movie and that one came out directly to streaming. I guess my point is I'm looking forward to seeing Seeing Red. I am selfishly glad that it will be on streaming first. And I hope that these people continue to realize that they can make great content for streaming and it doesn't have to go to those germy movie theaters. (laughs) I know. I know. It's going to be a long time before. Like, I miss going to the movies, but it's going to be a long time before I feel comfortable watching a film with a bunch of strangers. So I'm also happy that seeing red and other movies are going straight to streaming i've done it a couple times during the course of the pandemic and really when i say a couple i mean a couple and only for grown-up movies like i can't imagine especially having a kid that's too young to be vaccinated from my perspective having a kid's movie that was what i deemed important enough to drag my kids to the theater i certainly haven't seen it yet Mm mm-hmm All right. Well, with that off of our chest, should we get to our main topic? I know you're super excited. I am. (laughs) All right. Today we are talking about Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock. You guys, this is our first review of a product on Apple TV+. Plus. It premiered on January 21st of this year, 2022, with 13 half-hour episodes that were co-produced by the Jim Henson Company and Apple. 
Apple has been teasing new Fraggle content for a while. In 2020, I don't know if you remember, we posted about this a little on our social feeds because it coincided with the time that we reviewed the animated show Doozers on Hulu. But in April of 2020, Apple debuted a series of shorts called Fraggle Rock Rock On. And in May 2020, they started re-airing some of the older episodes. Just as a side note, the Fraggles did not go with the Muppets when Disney acquired them way back when. So that's why they're on Apple TV Plus and not on Disney Plus. The original Fraggle Rock, if you don't remember, debuted in 1983. And it was an international production for Jim Henson. Um, It aired in England on ITV, CBC in Canada, and on HBO in the U.S., which I did not remember, it must have gone HBO to PBS at some point. Does that seem right? I have no idea. I I know that we had HBO when I was a kid. Okay, so maybe it <laughs> I think was that's just how on I watched HBO. <laughs> okay, so there were 96 episodes of the original series over five seasons. If you have been living under a rock like the Fraggles or perhaps the <laughs> Craggles and you don't know who the Fraggles are, They are these wild-haired puppets that live in an underground world behind the wall of Doc's apartment. Doc is a human. The Fraggles sing and party, and they learn lessons about life and friendship while sharing their world with other industrious puppets called doozers and these menacing ogre-like puppets called gorgs. We picked it because Deborah has an Apple TV Plus trial and we needed to make hay while the sun shines, so to speak. And she is also a longtime Fraggle lover. So I was super excited to get her thoughts on this new show. We did a little more jumping around in the episodes than we have lately, took advantage of a slightly less serialized plot. So we watched episode one, which was the pilot, episode four, titled The Glow, and episode 12, titled Into the Trash. We will quickly go through the episodes one by one and then move on to our more general thoughts. Deborah, what did you think of the pilot? So in the pilot, we meet Gobo. He's one of a core group of Fraggles. We meet all his insecurities. We meet his <laughs> uncle, Matt, who's going off on an adventure. And um, Gobo is trying to get to the crevice of solitude to get the water flowing again into the Fraggles underground world. And we also meet Doc and her dog, Sprocket, who live above the Fraggle world. And the Fraggles and Doc are not aware of one another but the dog knows that the Fraggles exist. I was surprised by how it stuck to the form of the original. It was very much like the same characters, the same type of world. Um, So much so that I kept wondering, like, why are they remaking this? Mm -hmm. What did you think? I agree. It felt very familiar and comfortable. They updated Doc. So Doc is now a biology doctoral student, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So they're, they have a tiny environmentalist spin that um, is a bit of a departure from the original. But otherwise, it's stuck to a lot of the same beats. And to a certain extent, you're right. I wonder why. Like, if they're so much the same, did we need an update? But... I think it's just harder to get parents to revisit those older episodes with their kids, maybe. Yeah, I watched 
I watched one entire old episode, which I'll talk about later. I'm so excited. And, and I watched, you know, some clips and I just, I mean, obviously the differences in like, for me, the big difference is in the HD digital film versus, or video technology versus the old film. And I liked it. I just was surprised that it wasn't, that they stuck so much to the original characters and original concept, which is a good concept, but like, why not just watch the old ones? I don't know. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear your comparison. Should we quick go through the other episodes before we dive in? Sure. All right. So episode four was called The Glow, and I totally did not summarize this in one sentence, but I'll try to read it as quickly as I can. So Uncle Traveling Matt sends a plastic water bottle he found washed up on the beach home to Gobo, claiming it's a rare and precious artifact called a bizzle and that Gobo should create a museum to house it. They call in the archivist to help them learn about the bizzle. And meanwhile, Boober discovered th discovers that his tail glows and freaks out because he doesn't want anyone to figure out he's different from them. In a panicked effort to hide the difference, Wembley shoves the bizzle onto Boober's tail, and the two <laughs> try to remove it in secret while all the other fraggles are searching for the missing bizzle. Uh, we picked this one because it has an archivist, and as you loyal <laughs> listeners know, our background is in library science, so we're always excited to see that represented on the big or small screen. Although, small point here, the what they call archivist in Fraggle Rock <laughs> is not an actual archivist and doesn't seem to know any more about the Bizzle than the Fraggles themselves do. But she does arrive to sing a charming song and encourage Boober to embrace his idiosyncrasies as something that makes him special. It's just more of like a mystic. Yeah. Or a spiritual leader than an archivist I mean she was awesome and everybody kept commenting on how awesome she was so I mean I guess fair point I'll take that mm -hmm. um there was a really cool part in the episode in Doc's apartment where she set up this elaborate Rube Goldberg machine so that she could like dunk her cookies in milk that was really <laughs> cute <laughs> Um, let's move on to episode 12 into the trash and then okay. talk about our general thoughts. So in episode 12, it's again, centered on Boober who is making soup and is kind of frustrated that that's all his life's purpose seems to be. And then, um, he heals Marjorie, the trash heap who's sick and needs his sustenance in order to heal. And then the Foo Fighters make a cameo appearance because uh, Uncle Matt is on his trek across the, the outer space <laughs> and ends up uh, accidentally attending a Foo Fighters concert. It was really unexpected, right? <laughs> Super unexpected. <laughs> but adorable. Yeah, I mean... I mean, we've seen this over and over again, how like enthusiastic actors and I guess musicians of a certain age are to participate in kids shows these days because they mm -hmm. want to leave a legacy that their children can enjoy. Right. So I have to mention in this episode, so when Boober is like getting supplies for his soup, he opens like the pantry and there's this creature named Bongo who's not a fraggle in there and Bongo's like eating all the rad radishes 
And this type of creature brought back this memory that I had of an episode of Fraggle Rock and a character called Bagoonie who um, like torments Moki. And so that was the episode that I watched that like loomed large in my childhood, like horror slash fear brain space. I love this because the fraggles for me too, like my prominent fraggle memories are memories of being frightened. So tell me more about this. <laughs> Baguni in this original episode, it's in season three of the original Fraggle Rock. He's like moaning and doesn't have any friends and Moki finds him and she says that she'll be his friend. But then he like sort of hypnotizes her and shrinks her and puts her in this doll-sized house that he's just conjured up with magical powers and tries to trap her. And like the message of the story is basically you don't have to entirely give up your whole self to your friends. You can like be your own person and still be a good friend. But it terrified me as a child, terrified me. That does sound scary. See, I feel like all of my fraggle fears are pretty irrational. Like, I was always pretty scared of Marjorie the Trash Heap. Understandable. Um, And for some reason, all of the outer space scenes, like, gave me the heebie-jeebies. The interactions between Uncle Matt and the outside world were kind of scary to me. And I was also frightened of the gorgs. So like a solid one third of all Fraggle content scared me. Fair. It's, I mean, it's not a show that's meant to be, it's not like a Sesame Street. Yeah. It's darker. It Mm -hmm. really reminds you more of some of Jim Henson's earlier stuff. I mean, it's darker even on a literal level. It's just darker toned. Yeah. And subterranean. Yeah. Have you watched any of the original Fraggles with your kids? No, because we haven't had Apple TV. So maybe I will watch it with them. I don't know if they'd like it. Do you think they'd be scared? Yeah, I think they might be. Well, I'm not going to show them that Bagoonie episode from the original (laughs) ones. God, I don't want to watch that again ever. I don't know. Like, what is the, like, I, I don't know what age I was when I watched the Fraggles, but they were like a big part of my childhood viewing I think because it was like appointment television like I think it came out new episodes came out on like Sunday night and that was we got to watch one episode and that was like a special part of the week I was thinking about the age range thing and maybe we're skipping ahead a bit to the part where we talk about whether or not this is good for our kids Mm -hmm. but I feel like when your kids get to a point where they're kind of aging out of Sesame Street a little bit that I think the Fraggles make like a nice transition point. I actually feel like Jay being six years old like six seven is maybe a perfect Mm -hmm. point to start watching the Fraggles. Yeah and just on like an artistic level like the puppetry is amazing so that's one reason to watch it I think. How do you think this compared to the other recent Henson update we've reviewed, Muppets Now from Disney? They changed that so much to make it of the time. They made every segment into like a internet-related product, whereas The Fraggles was updated very little. Yeah, and according to us (laughs) as critics, the Muppets Now didn't work very well. We 
both hated it, I think. Yeah, it's not going to have any element of timelessness that the Fraggles clearly have had, given that they needed so little updating. Mm -hmm. I think the main update is the character of Doc, who's now like young. She's a BIPOC woman. She's trying to like, Doc was always come, the original Doc was always coming up with like failed inventions. Right. Whereas new doc is coming up with ideas that are going to make the world better. Like in one episode, she puts a recycling container on the beach so that people aren't just throwing their plastic water bottles in the ocean. So I think that's a good update. Mm -hmm. She also has great clothes. I am a fan of doc's wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were the, so the, the gorgs, were they always so mean to their son junior? In the original? Is that why they scared you? I think so. I think, I mean, I think they scared me just because they were big and kind of irrationally mean in a way Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like I could understand or overcome. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I think they were always mean to Junior. The thing that was less clear in just the three episodes of this that we watched is like how the Fraggle ecosystem works like the fraggles are almost like garden fairies of the gorgs right Mm -hmm. yeah and junior's always trying to catch them and the gorgs garden is where the doozers get all their radishes right and the doozers build out of radishes just in case you didn't know that guys (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of doc and her updates were there any characters that you particularly loved or hated um, I really liked the archivist. I would like to see her come back. She was really good. Um, I liked Uncle Matt. Um, according to IMDb, Kevin Clash plays Matt in one episode. So I wonder if that's the pilot, maybe. This is a show that IMDb was remarkably unhelpful with because it just labels almost everyone as a puppeteer. Puppeteer, yeah. So from my childhood memories to the current up like Gobo, Red, Wembley, and Booper look the same mm-hmm. and have like the same personality traits. Moki looks different. She got like a glow up. Really? Yeah. And the original, I don't think she was part of the main crew. Like oh. I think they added her to make it a little bit more gender balanced. Oh, that's fair. Because as a kid, I remember really liking Red. And I think that was because just because she was the only female. Right, right. Fraggle. What did you think? Who did you love or, or hate? I mean, it could have been an accident of the episodes we chose, but I remember being super annoyed by Red in the original Fraggles <laughs> uh, because she's very extroverted and I am very much not. So I just think mm-hmm. everything about her personality made me uncomfortable. Uh, but I was a lot less annoyed by her now. Yeah, I don't think as a kid I would have related to Boober so much, but I really related to him. He's like the Eeyore of the bunch. He also, with that last episode where he complains that, like, his only job is making soup and it's hard for him to understand that, like, making soup and providing sustenance is an important role, had a lot of mom parallels, like, stay-at-home parallels. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We need to be constantly told that our efforts are not for nothing. (laughs) While unpaid. (laughs) (laughs) uncompensated our labor is indeed important 
I also, just on a very plot mechanics level, at one point, Booper discovers in that episode that he can nourish all of Fraggledom by just mixing everyone's favorite kind of soup together. (laughs) And as a mother of picky eaters and a wife to a picky husband, oh man, did I wish that there was just some magical way I could mix everyone's food together to make the perfect thing. (laughs) Totally, totally. That's the dream. It's never going to happen. Do you want to talk about Marjorie? I well, I already addressed the fact that I have always found her scary. Okay, I do love her little like rat bodyguards. They're <laughs> they're super funny and like just I don't know the idea of um, a personified trash heap is so creative. I love a Henson universe. Yeah, it's become such a part of the fabric of kind of everyday childhood. Uh, particularly when you're thinking about Sesame Street and a little bit the Muppets that you forget how kind of avant-garde a lot of this stuff was when it debuted and the Fraggles you still kind of felt some of those weird spiky edges and I Mm -hmm. I love that about it Mm -hmm. so this isn't our first foray into rebooted Jim Henson puppet shows we already mentioned Muppets now but what feels like forever ago I feel like maybe even before Kenny was born we covered the new Dark Crystal series on Netflix am I weird to get more excited about revisiting properties when I feel like they're more about the craft than the story like I was super excited to see how they would reboot the Fraggles and bring this kind of dismissed genre of puppetry to a new generation in a similar way that I was fascinated to see how they would take the really intricate puppetry of the Dark Crystal and update it. Did you have any of those same feelings? I don't think it's weird at all. I think, I mean, going back to our screen time in the news article, like the storyline, the plot line of the Fraggles is like not that interesting to me as an adult now, but the mechanics of how the puppets work is super interesting. Like, especially because most of the time you see their body in their head and um, the times when their feet are there, I just want, like, I'm trying to see like the strings behind, you know, like the tricks of the trade. And like, there's one part where they're like running around the backyard trying to escape junior and it felt so seamless but I think it had to be animated maybe I don't know so I was watching this with a eye like very much just being impressed that this is like they're pulling this off with puppets yeah it's incredible I wonder how digitally assisted they are because I remember thinking that too specifically in the pilot like man I'm seeing a lot of feet And it's something Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't think that I would see a lot. And honestly, I don't remember about the original. I did also appreciate like the Fraggles are not that different from the original um, and all of the puppets are, but the Doozers have really leveled up. They have. Yeah. They're much more a part of the society and not just like a nameless worker class. Yeah. And even just the, the set, like the original doozers would build these things out of like, it looked like dirty acrylic, like Lincoln Logs yeah. type <laughs> toys. And now their technology is like really, uh, um, got a lot of bells and whistles. It looks really high tech. Yeah. The doozers are in advanced society. <laughs> So what are your thoughts on the music? I feel like each episode had 
two original songs in it plus the uh theme song was redone Mm -hmm. um my favorite had to be the archivist song um the actor who plays the archivist cynthia arrivo Mm -hmm. has like a lovely accent british maybe and a just a gorgeous voice so i thought that was the best out of all the songs but then like boober has sort of a like a little bit of a garth brooks john denver feel to his songs he definitely had a country number in episode four (laughs) what did you think of the music I thought it was great, very catchy and fun to listen to. They made the unexpected choice to not start the pilot with the theme song, and they started it with a different original song that was unique to the plot of what was going on. And that was jarring at first. I thought for a terrified moment that they might not be bringing that original, extremely catchy theme song back. But of course they did. They aired it at the end of the pilot and then at the beginning of all of the other episodes. So that was a relief and something that was nice and nostalgic to hear again. Yeah. And that's a fun theme song. It has hand claps in it, which is an enjoyable instrumentation and decision. It's fun. I mean, dance your cares away. How does mm-hmm. that not put a smile on your face? Okay. So in the original, do you remember, does doc ever interact with the fraggles? I don't remember. So like structure wise, watching this as an adult, I don't understand. Like, why are we seeing Doc and the dog? Like, what is the point? Is this just to like, so we know that the Fraggles, where they are in like place and time or something. I feel like in this, they're going to have to meet at some point. Cause like a doozer fixes Doc's like microscope and then leaves behind this itty bitty power screwdriver drill. That's the word for it. A drill. Yeah. yeah, it's called a drill. <laughs> All right. So here is my long winded answer to that. Okay. And what I think the joke is with Doc and Sprocket, who is Doc's dog, who is a puppet and who- is really adorable. Yes. Like I want a sentient puppy dog or a sentient yeah. puppet dog rather totally uh, who can also be a puppy okay so do you have you ever watched the series Wallace and Gromit yeah yeah a long time ago okay so the thing with Wallace and Gromit is that Wallace is the man and Gromit is the dog but Gromit is the smarter of the two Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's always giving these very uh, relatable eye rolls or like hand gestures because he doesn't speak that make you realize that Gromit is really the brains of the operation right Mm -hmm. so I think it's a similar gag here too like Sprocket is the one who sees and interacts with the Fraggles and knows what's up Sorry, they're both in the room now. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you cannot see them, but they are making faces at Deborah and hiding behind mommy's head. It's really cute. And I'm attempting to at least finish my point before I try and get them out of the room. <laughs> Just that Sprocket is supposed to be kind of the audience's intermediary between the real world and the Fraggles. And the joke is supposed to be that Doc thinks she's in charge, but Sprocket is the one that knows what's up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Okay, give me one second. 
I don't know. That is how I justified having Sprocket be the one that could see the Fraggles, but still having Doc remain clueless. That makes sense. I like that theory. I'm going to stick with that. Also, am I remembering wrong? I'm sure I am. But in my memory, the segments with Uncle Traveling Matt always happened at the end of the episode. And it was like tagged on at the end where you would see his interaction with the real world. In the Bagoonie episode, it was night like more in the middle. Okay. And it was terrifying. He like happened upon a boy and girl in like a playroom. And they like physically assaulted him. It was terrifying. Yeah, like I recall him always getting like dumped in grimy dumpsters and I I don't know. I I always found those interactions to be highly unsettling in a way that I didn't watching it as an adult, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, were you able to compare this to any grown-up shows or movies? I did in terms of like craft and just absurdity. It reminded me of I think it's season 4 of Search Party. Where oh, wow. Dory, Tell me more. Dory is kidnapped by a psychopath and he has created a f- completely made out of felt replica of her Brooklyn apartment in the basement of like an upstate New York decrepit mansion. Okay. <laughs> and so nobody knows where she is and she's living in this like simulacrum of her apartment and it's so creepy that's what it reminded me okay I like it I went in a totally different direction I was thinking about the fact that they haven't had to update the fraggles much for the modern audience and how refreshing Mm -hmm. I found that to be and then I was trying to think of like old properties from you know my young adulthood but the problem is most of them are super problematic now to go back and revisit like they're uncomfortable to watch or someone that was involved in the making of them has since come into disgrace. So it was really hard for me to think of something. I eventually landed weirdly, and I'm sure this is the only time this likeness will be made. Likeness? No. This is the only time this comparison will be made. But I thought of Grey's Anatomy, which is a little bit of an unfair comparison because it's never gone off the air. But it's just so darn consistent and like I can happily go back there and watch something that I feel like is very similar to something that I would have been watching 10 years ago and like it's still fine that's good yeah maybe that's the reason it's just a successful formula yeah so why mess with it yeah and now that I've said that I'm sure like tomorrow something awful will come out I mean like Grey's Anatomy has had some problematic people associated with it, but I feel like they've overcome that and maintained like a certain level of comfortable consistency. Yeah, Shondaland. <laughs> She's a genius. All right. Give me your gritty HBO reboot. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> I would cast Zoe Kravitz as the archivist, and I would make her a regular character. She was fabulous. I would cast Zach Galifianakis's Boober, Jeff Daniels as Gobo, and Natasha Leone, Natasha Lyon as Red. Oh, I love that. She has the yeah. hair for it. Mm-hmm. How about you? That's as far as I got. Because I'm a lazy person, I often end up just like taking the cast from another show and making it into the cast for the current show. So I was thinking about the Fraggles. 
And I was thinking of how being cast as a live action Fraggle seems to be like Zoe Deschanel's life goal. Oh, so for a little while, I was thinking about the cast of New Girl, but then I thought, no, they they just don't deserve it. So it has to be the cast of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So let me take you through it. You didn't really watch that show, did you? I didn't, know. Okay. So for those of you who did, this is a work of genius. So Rachel Bloom would be Red. Santino Fontana would be Gobo. Gabrielle Ruiz, who played uh, the yoga instructor, would be Mogi, of course. Donna Lynn Champlin would be Wembley. Vela Lovell would be Boober. And then you could have David Hall and Pete Gardner as Doozers. And Michael McMillan as Junior Gorg. I feel like this is a genius bit of casting and it needs to happen because they can all sing. And I think the personalities mesh pretty well. I like it. (laughs) All right. Do you think it was better when we were kids slash exactly the same? Exactly the same. Yeah. I kind of love that this is one of those things that we don't have to be like, oh, no, we thought it was good then, but it actually stunk and it's much better now. Right, right. There's at least one thing we can cling to that is still good. (laughs) (laughs) So being a Fraggle fan, would you ever watch this alone voluntarily? I might. I don't know how long our Apple TV sample lasts. Deborah. So I should. I should. I get on it. It's like the cheapest of the streaming services. It's like six bucks a month. I feel like you should just keep it because there's so much good content. Have you been able to watch any of the grown-up stuff? What have I watched? Well, we watched Ted Lasso like eight years after everybody else in yeah. the world. Did you like it? Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. What What else do you recommend on Apple? Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, two seasons of For All Mankind. Excellent, okay. excellent television. Yeah, I feel like those are the two big ones that we have really loved on Apple TV+. Plus. Okay, good to know. 10 seconds on whether this is good for our kids. We kind of already covered it. You didn't watch it with your kids, but I'm wondering if you think they're a little old. Tony definitely is. And he is absolutely getting to the point where he's not interested in watching stuff that is age appropriate for his <laughs> brother and sister. Right, right. Makes sense. Which I I, I get. Um, but I think Libby and Nate are the right age for it. Yeah, I watched, I think almost all three of them with, my kids in some combination and I do I think six Jay's age is kind of a perfect age he is still scared of some things gratified to see that he's pretty much scared of the same things I was Uh, (laughs) so either it's universal or he's my kid or both Uh, Kenny is probably still a little young he is thankfully not super scared just because I think he's only tangentially watching it Mm -hmm. ratings Five. Five. This was so lovely and comfortable. I would almost compare my enthusiasm for it to my enthusiasm for Puffin Rock. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're comfortable in different ways. And there's definitely a healthy dose of nostalgia associated with Fraggle Rock. But Mm -hmm. they both just felt uncomplicatedly good in similar ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. You can check out our website at myscreentime2.com and find us on all of the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even on Gmail at myscreentime2. 
Send us your show or movie suggestions, article recommendations, or general comments about the show. Our theme music was composed and performed by me and my adorable children, and our podcast is produced by Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye. Bye. Bye.